Welcome to the PAXAC Project, where we explore the resilience of rural and Indigenous communities in Northern Ontario. In today's episode, we're excited to introduce you to Chef Tammy Mackey, the talented owner of Raven Rising, an award-winning chocolate business based in Sudbury, Ontario. Chef Mackey is a proud Suto Ojibwe Kwe from White Bear First Nation in Saskatchewan and a certified Red Seal Journeyman pastry chef and baker. With a rich background and experience working in renowned restaurants, resorts, and bakeries across Canada, she's embarked on a journey to create a perfect blend of traditional and contemporary flavors in her chocolate creations. So sit back, relax, and join us as we embark on this delicious journey with Chef Tammy Mackey and Raven Rising. Well, today I'm joined with Chef Tammy Mackey at Raven Rising. Chef Mackey, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Can you start just by sharing your journey and how you got into making chocolate and really what sparked that interest for you? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, So, uh, well, journey's been a long journey. Um, You know, I started um, kind of as, you know, just going to school and as an apprentice and then you pick up all kinds of skills along the way. Not much chocolate making skills apart from, uh, you know, the first couple of years at the Rimrock. But after that, it's uh, it's not something that pastry chefs really focus on, uh, you know, but in essence, it is like getting that ultimate one bite with an ingredient, right? Uh, especially in the in the small bonbons. So it's a challenge. And that's what I think is makes the most out of somebody's career is constantly challenging yourself. Um, I get bored easily. Uh, So one thing about owning a business is uh, it certainly keeps boredom at bay. Um, You know, chocolates are, are science and art and, oh, just everything that you could think of that I find exciting and interesting and it gives me so many options the options are really are infinite so how could I not get into it how could I not start it it was just like um I I don't know maybe finding the uh the husband of your dreams uh I happened to find the business of my dreams Mm -hmm. and so when you were going to learn how to be a pastry chef did you ever think you'd open the business or were you just originally thinking that you would work for someone else as opposed to being an entrepreneur? Well, when I was in school, my dream was actually to go work down in Las Vegas um, and specifically at the Bellagio. Uh, I held the pastry chef there very high regard, um, very brilliant man. And uh, I actually took a trip down to Vegas and met him in person and went through uh, like their pastry kitchen. It was just like, it's bigger than most people's like shopping centers. It's just massive, right? And uh, it was so interesting. Um, But as I got into my career, um, I found that large, uh, you know, hotels and resorts, that's one aspect of it and then you know there's there's mom and pop bakeries and there's five diamond restaurants and there's 
family restaurants and like there's just so many variations that I just wanted to learn everything. So my career was constantly evolving. Um, I would go someplace and I would absorb everything that I could from that place. And when I thought that I couldn't absorb anything new, I knew that it was time to move on. I had a very fluid career. I've been very lucky. The people that I've worked with and for, um, some of them helped shape me uh, a great deal. Um, and others, not so much, but definitely it gave me that experience in that environment uh, to make an informed decision about where I wanted my career to go. Um, I'm a very kind of black and white person. I like things a specific way. Um, I don't like to be boxed in. It just makes me completely unhappy and Unfortunately, working for other people is definitely a major box to be put in. So uh, I tried many times um, and it just, I knew that I wanted to open a business. Um, I did have one previously and I was doing pastry consulting. So filling in for executive pastry chefs or helping people put together menus or, you know, building pastry kitchens or, you know, whatever they needed. Um, and I was making you know, stuff on the side and I'd actually started to play with chocolate a little bit and uh, uh, found it quite interesting. And then COVID hit and um, I lost my other business and I went, well, that was quite interesting. And in a way it was good because it wasn't going really where I wanted it to go. It just didn't have any momentum for me. So, you know, lots of time to sit and think during COVID. And, uh, you know, I really, really took what I learned from the previous business and throughout my career and thought, what can I do that is going to be a successful model during COVID, right? I'm not going to be able to open up a storefront. How am I going to sell this product? Well, Amazon can do e-commerce. Why can't I? Um, so I did a lot of research, picked my target market, opened up a corporation, got together a website with my pricing. And um, uh, then October, 2020, I opened. And I guess so far the rest is history, right? Um, it's been awesome, you know, and working for myself, definitely. And you're never really ever working for yourself. There's always bosses. Your customers are your boss, right? And there's so many of them. It's just that there's more appreciation, I think, for what you do, uh, because that it does. It's not vocal appreciation per se, but it's because that you know the people are ordering because they appreciate what they see because they're ordering from you again. Your repeat customers, right? They're buying for their friends you know, it, it lets you know that what you're doing is um, appreciated. And, you know, I love feeding people. It's what I want to do as a chef and as a person, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was a heck of a career and taught me everything I needed to know. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I needed to be on my own. Yeah. Now, I did see a video from you winning an award from Canada Post that highlighted entrepreneurs across the country. In that video, you said at some point that your business took on an Indigenous identity. 
where you saw your role more clearly as a knowledge keeper and a storyteller through chocolate. Are you able to just share maybe one story behind one of your creations? Well, I think one of the most indigenous chocolates that I've done that really kind of brought a very deep meaning to me um, was a cedar chocolate. And I was thinking of, of cedar is, is sacred to us as Indigenous people. And I really wanted to represent it in a way that it's important to me that when people look at something, it represents what they're about to put into their mouth, right? I don't want to have something bright purple if the ingredient is pink. It just, it doesn't make any sense. I want it to really represent that specific ingredient and people eat with their eyes as much as they eat with their palate. You have to make both happy, of course, right? But that initial reaction of, oh, you know, that looks really interesting. Ooh, I really want to eat that right this second. That makes you salivate and, you know, your mind, your palate, everything is ready for it. That cedar chocolate, um, I actually saw a paint technique by somebody over, I don't know where they were, Hungary or something. So when I do bonbons, I do things that represent the ingredients. Uh, there's hand painting, there's all kinds of paint techniques. It's like, you know, individual little art all the time, right? And when you think of cedar, you think of green and it made me think of like walks at my cottage and I wanted to capture that kind of the, the foresty feel of the cedar. So mm -hmm. it was green and, and black and you think of a color scheme like that, that it's not going to represent really what you want, but it couldn't have been more perfect. And I was just, I was so thrilled with with how it looks. When I do tasting events, uh, they're one of the chocolates that I always offer um, because they are so representational of so many Indigenous cultures. The information that I pulled in when I started doing more research just outside of my area, and that's everything that I want for this business is, is not just Indigenous, but global indigenous remember that box i spoke about earlier i don't want that box including indigenous indigenous are are global we're we're everywhere right the ingredients are everywhere the stories are everywhere but for me that cedar was the essence of indigenous to me and so in this global marketplace where you're getting ingredients from many different countries how does that extend to the relationships that you have with your suppliers and how is that aligned with your values? What I know about my Indigenous identity is pretty much self-taught, self-learned. Um, I grew up in a Finnish family and thankfully uh, and very oddly, Finnish people and Indigenous people in Canada have very similar appreciation of nature and whatnot. But I wanted to learn about, you know, of course, specifically where I'm from, but I also wanted to explore because I've never had 
a set community. I wanted to really explore Indigenous as a whole. And I have friends that I've worked with in my, in my career, and they've been from all over the world. And I really wanted to focus on making people aware that how much they're they're eating that is an original indigenous ingredient. Chocolate itself is one of the oldest indigenous ingredients in the world and easily recognizable, right? But people don't think of it like that. It's just chocolate, right? Mm -hmm. So it's so awesome to be able to map my own path, not only as a business person, but as an indigenous person. And there's nobody telling me that I can't do it uh, or telling me how to do it because this is my own journey um, and how I'm learning about things and the stories that go with everything is awesome. I support other indigenous business and people and I, I try and include other indigenous business uh, links in my uh, tasting notes in, in the boxes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's amazing. I have people, you know, emailing me from Australia and New Zealand and like Germany. And it's just like, wow, you know, and oh, we heard about this and we've been on your website and they send people here to the shop, right? It's astounding to me that, that my journey is interesting to others and that I'm thankful I can represent that in something that, <laughs> that, I can share easily with other people, right? And that uh, that they can easily relate to. And with the product being chocolate and the amazing artistry involved, I would assume it would be more for a direct-to-consumer uh, for sales. But is there some business-to-business -business sales that goes on as well? And has that evolved over time? Uh, yeah, so when I started, I thought it would be just direct-to-consumer as well. Um, but Shortly after I, I started selling, I was contacted by a Hamilton co-op and started doing some business to business. Um, and I've been very lucky uh, since then. And I've gotten some amazing um, B2B partners. And I just actually started at the Fairmont Chateau Laurier. I'm providing their VIP amenities for them. So I'm very like, happy about that. Um, I do a lot of corporate and special events, so special orders. And obviously the e-commerce is, it just keeps plugging along and I absolutely adore that. Uh, I do like, uh, I still love the, the direct to consumer e-commerce platform. It's just, it's a phenomenal platform. Um, but I have a small storefront now as well. Uh, storefronts take a lot of work and energy, but uh, it's also different because I get to really interact with everybody. Uh, my kitchen is open to the retail side, so people tend to yell at me when they come in, but I am, uh, I'm hearing impaired. So if I'm working, I don't usually hear them. And then my retail people just say, you know, if you need her, we'll get get her for you but anyways yeah it, it's just uh I think as with anything it's constantly evolving and you have to be able to not only evolve with it but pre-evolve 
to think ahead and to plan that you always need to capture more audiences. And um, so my next step, I was doing um, online Zoom tasting events and I still am, uh, but I'm also going to start doing some in-person in-house tasting events uh, at the shop. And actually I'll be doing some collaborations with other businesses here in Sudbury. Um, I'm hoping to expand that to businesses pretty much everywhere. Yeah, so it's it's just, it's exciting. Every, every single thing I do, I love. Okay, I'm lying. Every single thing I do, I love aside from the paperwork. Yeah, so as you were getting started, and now as you're expanding, has there been any organizations or business networks who've been pretty vital for your development going through this? Oh, absolutely. Um, luckily, I forged an early friendship with uh, Indigenous Tourism Association of Canada, um, as well as Ind Indigenous Tourism Ontario, and also a small organization called RISE. Um, this was when I opened my previous business. So in order for me to be, you know, to have started this business successfully, I took everything I learned that Rise taught me, which was a lot of the financials and the business plans and everything, right? Um, so Rise helped me, me with that. Um, my progression into Raven Rising um, Indigenous tourism certainly was a massive contributor to you know how I kind of moved things along um, and networking right so during COVID it's really difficult to network but it gave me you know a very very solid network foundation so I, I'm very happy for that um, and of course I've joined you know countless other organizations so that it's good to to branch out and to ensure that you've joined municipal and provincial and federal organizations um, you know there's so many different layers out there that uh, as a small business you have to take advantage of everything that you can yeah and of course food has a regulatory framework that's pretty complex as well now are you looking to export your food products at some point uh, do you have any plans for that I'm hoping um, but of course there are eight million hoops I have to jump through and right now quite frankly I don't have the time um, I would like to build uh, perhaps an export partnership exporting um, like the small bonbons just wouldn't be a feasible thing because of um, best before dates like shelf life for bonbons is about six to eight weeks, not because they go bad in six to eight weeks, but because they start to lose their flavor. So the whole idea is not to become a generic uh, bonbon, right? It's to have those ingredients that are different in them. So um, if I did anything, it would have to be a partnership with somebody that has, um, you know, a working uh licensed kitchen somewhere that can follow recipes and be able to do exactly what I do. So that's something that I have to look at, but uh, there's a lot of research and just tons of stuff I have to look at before I even think about taking those steps. 
So uh, it's a little bit different if you're, you know, if you're doing like um, one jarred product or something, and you know, it's much easier to do that than than doing something like, you know, what I'm doing. So I would like to, but I think uh, at least for the next year, I'm just going to focus on continuing to build the way that I have and, uh, you know, progressing even more within my set market. Um, and you do have a larger social impact through several initiatives that I saw that you're contributing to. And I saw that you're contributing to a scholarship for Indigenous students with George Brown College. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Well, it's actually a, a scholarship for uh, Indigenous students in the baking and pastry arts. Um, so Indigenous people are severely underrepresented in any trade. I was in the electrical trade, oh my God, long before Indigenous or women were in trades uh, or before there was classifications for us in trades. And, uh, you know, I was the only female on a job site probably for the first 17 to 20 years of, of, you know, my path down there. So it was, I really would like to see that change. And I would like to see people's perspective and understanding of Indigenous people change that there are positive you know, role models out there and that it's not all the negative stuff that has been fed, uh, you know, throughout the years. So I think that supporting knowledge, learning, uh, supporting a trade is super important. And I couldn't think of anything more important. Actually, one of my mentors is the uh, head of the Culinary Tourism Alliance, and her name is Rebecca McKenzie, and uh, she's actually um, associated with George Brown. So um, we had actually discussed a scholarship, and because that's where she's associated, then for me it was kind of a no-brainer to, um, you know, start the scholarship there. That doesn't mean it's always going to be there. Um, you know, I can move it wherever I'd like. Um, I can add to it if I like, uh, you know, again, everything evolves and changes, right? But um, it's definitely important to me that I support the next generation of um, people interested in the pastry trade, and I'll do that any way I can. So Chef Mackey, how do you envision the future of Raven Rising? Is there anything further you would like to have uh, within your present shop that you've just opened up in Sudbury? Well, I think my shop really, it plays a pretty small role, I think, in the impact that I have, aside from, I think, maybe within the community. Um, and quite frankly, I'm just getting known in the community because I've only been open since September of last year, um, you know, COVID, right? Uh, that ugly word that keeps rearing its head, but um, this this shop actually um, inspires me to be more artistic. Uh, I'm actually I leased a, a shop that is a hundred years old. It was originally called the Capitol Theater here in Sudbury. Um, I have original travertine floors and beautiful original uh, domed. Uh, 
uh, entranceway and in my um, in my kitchen there is original like ceilings as well and when I came in here it was just it was just such good zen I went oh my god I want to make things in here I want to create um, your surroundings are super important when when you're an artist I think um, so this was the place for me uh, I looked at other places and it was just I couldn't get my mind out of here so in a way that has a massive impact um, and it allows me to be more creative. I think as insofar as the business and what I strive to do and what it is that I represent, um, my surroundings are not so all important as actually representing the product and the ingredients and uh, the business like the way that it should be, right? Yeah. Mm. Any closing thoughts, Chef Mackie? Yeah, I just, you know, I'd like people to think about what they eat on a daily basis and about where exactly those ingredients that you're making for supper came from. Because like, it's such a phenomenal journey, not only taste wise, but story wise. And there's so many interesting and like just wow moments when you're, when you look up things about how a specific food got its name or where it actually originated from. Like some foods we're eating originated in Egypt, right? Like that's, whoa, mind blowing, right? So like, if you're sitting down to supper with your family, take one of those ingredients and do a little research before you, you sit down and talk to your kids and say, do you know that this came from this country in the 1700s? Do you know how long ago that was? And make it fun and make it interactive and you know talk about things with them and make it so that they want to go and they want to hit Google up and do some research or hit an old fashioned encyclopedia. Food is not just about eating. It's about learning. Yeah. Chef, it's been great talking to you, getting to learn more about your enterprise and the larger impact it's having in Canada. So thank you very much. Keep up the awesome work. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great day. To wrap things up, we'd like to thank Chef Tammy Mackey for joining us on the PAXAC podcast and sharing her inspiring journey with Raven Rising. Her dedication to sustainability, ethically sourced ingredients, and the celebration of Indigenous culture through her chocolate creations is truly remarkable. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the PAXAC Project brought to you by the Rural Agri-Innovation Network, Nordic Institute. We hope that the stories and experience shared today have inspired you to make positive change in Northern Ontario. 